This is Shock Award Speak. Hey, welcome to Shock Award Speak. We are back with another episode, and uh, we are once again in this season of everybody's unique busyness. Um, we are truncated somewhat. This week it is uh, me, Dr. Blackwell, Dr. Snacksmell, it's Gareth, and Cody. Code red. Oh, I thought you were gonna let it hang out there for a little while. So there was a question of like, who's it gonna be? <laughs> who's who's actually here? But yeah, we people uh, text in their guesses, <laughs> do a raffle. Yeah, uh, if you can guess who's not here, you will be entered to win a 2011 Toyota Tacoma. Can I do that raffle? <laughs> that estimated retail price eighteen thousand dollars. Yes. Funnily um, enough, the raffle tickets cost about $18,000 to purchase, <laughs> but we're letting you purchase more than one. <laughs> That's right. You get a discount if you buy more than one. <laughs> yeah. You know, higher chances of winning. But um, yeah, so it is just the two of us because it's been a really crazy, hectic season. It has been. Um, and if you're a regular listener, you've picked up on that because, uh, you know, we've had for the first time in our like three or four year run, we've really had a season where we haven't been able to do everything week to week. Um, but that's okay. That's how seasons work. Yep. We've all been there um, and done that. And so... Um, yeah, this week, uh, just me and Cody, we're going to have another fun conversation. Um, and Cody was explaining to me the topic and how he was thinking through it and some stuff that was on his mind. Really enjoy it, really like it, but I don't want to take that away from him. So, Cody, what it, let us in on what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so today I was thinking that we might be able to talk about travel. Ooh. So travel, traveling, uh, going, visiting places, places that you don't normally go to. Um, but, but Cody... Didn't you know this is an art and design podcast? Yes. So what do you what that. do you mean by that? That that I think it's a I think it's an interesting topic uh, for art and design. Yeah. So, I mean, goodness gracious! If you tried to tell the history of art and design, excluded from people going to new places and experiencing new things, you would be hard pressed to have anything left. Yeah, that's uh, fair. You'd only get so far. You wouldn't get a lot of uh, you know. Yeah, that's, there'd be a lot missing. Um, <laughs> there would be, but you know, I you know, we were joking. Um, my impression of traveling is formed strongly by like the Globe Trekker, you know, <laughs> mid to later two thousands, sort yeah. of like just get out there and have your backpack and go to places. And I feel like at least my generation, not quite sure how the kids are feeling about it these days, but there's just a strong emphasis that travel is good. Mm -hmm. period. Like yeah. it's high on people's priorities of like, when I retire, I'm going to finally travel or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to be someone who accrues a lot of possessions. I want to have experiences, which is usually tied to, I want to go travel right. visit places. Um, so similar to, in some ways, similar to how we assume education is mm -hmm. just a default common good that right. if you can experience it, get as much of it as you can. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people think the same about traveling and visiting mm -hmm. new places and experiencing, you know, different cultures, people groups, things like that. That's fair. Yeah. And I, and I think when you talk about, um, when you talk about it in that way and like a kind of a historical perspective of it, just always the assumptive good that is, is kind of ingrained in it. Um, yeah, I kind of think back, you said like the way you experienced or thought of travel, or how it was framed. Um, and then other generations and you think about, um, kind of, um, I don't know, uh, almost like uh, cultural tropes of different periods of time where it's like, you know, the 60s, you had people that were like hitchhiking. Like, exactly. 
go and see places by hitchhiking, mm-hmm. you know, like you go earlier into American history and you might have the person who's like setting out West in a covered wagon, out you know, west. and like you've got the European tour, very common oh, yeah. young men, they've gotten out of school. They're like, let me take two years to just kind of, uh, waste my dad's money in, in France and Germany <laughs> and get some like cultural experience. And then I'll come back and I'll settle down and that will enrich me somehow. You've also got like, uh, the stuff that, you know, everybody saw when that book eat, pray, love, came out and they made a movie about it where it's like, you know, travel was a way to like make sense of a messy life mm-hmm. or almost like therapeutic. Get right? to know yourself. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, it's good. So it has, it's good. It has, it has myriad goodness, right? Mm-hmm. It's just bountiful. A lot benefits. of stuff. Um, and I think it's good. Like uh, spoiler alert. I don't think we're here to try to debunk that as some sort of myth. I mean, I think we agree about it. So yeah. if you're sitting there going like, Oh great, they're going to ruin travel. We're, I don't think that's what we're doing. If we inadvertently ruin travel, that's on me, I guess. But I don't think we're going. I mean, to. we just got to see where the conversation goes, <laughs> I guess. No, uh, but I think you know one of the points you were making earlier before we started recording is um, that neither of us are uh, are like scared of travel. We don't have issues with it. We enjoy it. We take part in it regularly, um, and I think that's a big part of it, right? Um, and so I think maybe if we. You know, if we look at like just, you know, American Western tradition of travel, like travel has been propped up as a very good thing. Mm-hmm. So you think of things like even, you know, high school senior trips. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of yeah, honeymoons going, after a wedding. Honeymoons, yeah, going to New York as a high school or yeah. going to big museums, seeing. They're um, all things that are like common cultural sort of like, nope, you're not going to, somebody's not going to be like, what, what, what is a honeymoon? Like, what do you mean you're going somewhere after you're married? Yeah. Like it's, it's in the cultural vernacular, hundred percent. Vacation. Um, I mean, the, yeah. like, and then we get into an interesting very spot. recently vacation in contemporary late 20th, early 21st century America, vacation and travel were basically the same thing. Oh yeah. Like a vacation was kind of lame if your family took a staycation. Right, right. You, know, you didn't go to Disney World. You didn't go to Florida. Um, what did you do? We went We went to the parks we usually go to. We just did it four days in a row. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, a, but also you have these ideas that like, um, you know, so travel is good. Uh, travel is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that like, when you talk about something like vacation, you get into a spot where it's not just normal, it's almost like um, required. Like it's an affront if you don't get it. Yes. So yeah. it's not just that it's good. Potentially deserved. It's, yeah, it's deserved, right? It's like an entitled thing. I'm entitled to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I mean, gosh, I feel it. You know, there were a couple summers where we got into a habit of like having a week, week and a half at the beach. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, something came along where we couldn't go travel. Yeah. And uh, we were like, well, this sucks. And we can't get to the beach. Yeah. What are we gonna or, do? you know, the economy stuff started kicking in too hard and you're like, well, we can't go to the beach this summer. Yeah. What a detriment. What have, a punishment. You have a kid that year and you're like, well, right. well uh, all those uh, funds for vacation <laughs> are now going to the big man named Mr. Hospital. That's right. So yeah, there's, I think there's a, there's a definite space where like we, we all understand we have a kind of common ground with uh, travel. But I think it also is probably a good point that would behoove us to kind of be like, well, what do you, when you say travel, Cody, what do you even mean by that? What do you, what do you mean by that? I feel like I've got to put some cards on the table first. So I am not a huge traveler. Okay. So growing up, me and my family, we had about a three hour trip north to see my mom's side of the family mm-hmm. up in like Winchester, Shenandoah Valley. 
Right. And then we had about a three-hour trip south. Um, well, either Virginia Beach or North Carolina, kind of depending on where um, my dad's side was. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had two spots, but eventually settled in North Carolina. Okay. Um, so as a kid, growing up, like those were the trips that I took. Yeah. I didn't take longer trips anywhere. Vacations tended to be to one group of grandparents or the other. Right. Um, I've never flown on a plane before. Ever. Ever. Wow. Um, we got to get you on a plane. Me Kelly. and my wife had uh, big plans to go to Bulgaria for a week. Because um, she spent time in Bulgaria. She, so that's yeah. it's a funny contrast. My wife lived in Bulgaria for two years. She's been all over Europe and to Thailand. So traveling is like her thing. She loves it. Right. Um, so there's a big difference between us when we started dating is I had not had any of those types of experiences. Right, right. Um, we talked a lot about that. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we had great plans to go to Europe in March of 2020. Well, why, why didn't you go in March of 2020? You know, this little thing <laughs> what, happened. What, what timing, Cody? <laughs> called the president closing the borders. <laughs> That's right. And, and not um, just the president, but every president. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it only took us 11 months to get our money back from the airline. Oh, well, hey, yeah. supply chain. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that, that was going to be a big event for me personally. Yeah. Um, because you were going to Bulgaria. Because we were going to Bulgaria, yeah, to, to visit people that she knew. And not going to lie, I could not necessarily point to it on a map. Um, I know the general vicinity of Eastern Europe. Yeah, it's adjacent to Romania. Yep. So? I was right. On the eastern side. The general vicinity of Eastern Europe. Southeastern, maybe. Um, anyways, before everyone is asking whether that Cody can point to it on the map, <laughs> been a little while since I looked at a map of that area. Um, anyways, we were Same. pretty excited, very disappointed that it didn't go through. But, yeah. um, you know, other than that, you know, I've, you know, went to Gettysburg as a teenager, um, mm. set a foot across the border into New Jersey when I was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But really like have not. And then we've done some travel down in uh, North Carolina to yeah. beaches and stuff like that in Axhead. Um, so for me, travel has been a somewhat mysterious thing okay. because I've never really struck out and and entered into the travel narrative mm-hmm. that maybe I was used to seeing on television shows, you know, like I mentioned, um, or reading about online where you're like, oh, I'm just the, the person who backpacks around Europe. Right. Um, yeah. So as I've, you know, come to talk with people who've done a lot more traveling, I've probably had a greater desire to do it. Um, it's a little bit harder these days. Uh, right. kids, married, job. You know, yeah, responsibilities just, tend to tie you to place a bit it more. It does. Um, there's a reason why people tend to travel when they're young or mm-hmm. travel when they're older. Yeah. You know, kids grown. No, Makes sense. Retired. Um, but yeah, when I think of traveling, I think of intentionally going to another place for the express purpose of visiting people, you mm-hmm. know. So I would include going on trips to visit family. Yeah. I think that's kind of a a subcategory that would be interesting to talk about is mm-hmm. is travel occurring between people you know versus travel occurring because you have elected that a particular place or culture or area or activity that's associated with the geography mm-hmm. you've decided I want to go be there do that see it and so you then make all the plans buy the tickets get all your stuff together to go have that experience Take your pictures, sort of store it up, mm-hmm. and then come back to your daily life with the assumption that that all those activities were worthwhile. 
yeah. in a very, relatively like short compressed time frame. It makes sense. You know, anywhere, you know, by the time you're talking about being somewhere for like six months or more, mm-hmm. then you're starting to get to like, well, that's a short term living commitment. That's yeah. not necessarily, not necessarily traveling. A traveling. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, so that's kind of what I think about when, you know, my, where I'm coming from and then what I think about traveling. That's good. Yeah. For me, uh, we have kind of similar um, in that respect. Most of the traveling that we did growing up was to family. <coughs> Excuse me. So, the uh, when we think about when I think about traveling like that, that's definitely a part of it. Um, and then when I think about my concepts of traveling that don't involve like family or someone I know, my preferences are kind of grown from the fact that I grew up traveling to see family. What I mean by that is, um, if I were going to say go to Brazil, I've never been there, I don't know anybody there, I would like to go as someone who lived there at one point, yeah. Like I, I want to travel as a local and yes. I know that's a common sort of desire. Um, but I think some of it for me really does stem from the fact that experientially, if we go to my grandmother's or my cousins or something like that, we'd kind of have a baked in tour guide. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if it was something as basic as like, we know where the grocery store is or the best gas station, or I, you know, I can drive you straight to the movie theater, mm-hmm. whatever it was like you had that person who knew the space. So you could immediately feel comfortable in it. Um, which was always nice because you didn't have to have those like awkward few days. Mm-hmm. Orientation. Now as I got older, I started taking trips by myself and doing other things, whether it was for school or pleasure or whatever. Um, I started figuring out what it was like to have that experience of kind of dropping into a spot and being like, okay, got to get my bearings, figure out where I am. What are my like kind of routines? Like how's all that work? Um, but traveling was always... It was always one of those things we did, um, but also like growing up poor, like traveling to see family in some ways felt uh, a bit like escapism hmm. in some ways. There was like a, a time to kind of like ignore like kind of the, the tough stuff at home yeah. or whatever else. Um, and not in some sort of like, you know, I mean, geez, don't, don't even say my life was like a terrible hard thing. But just saying, like, you know, it's a good change of scenery. Yeah. And so a lot of times I even find myself now being like, I need a change of scenery for a little bit. Like I've been, and I always feel like that in February in Richmond, Virginia, (laughs) because it's like, it's been gray long enough. It's rained long enough. Uh, I need a change of scenery. Yes. Either the change needs to happen here in the city or (laughs) I need to get out of the city. 100%. Um, I love how you, you brought up sort of, I hate to use the word escapism, but maybe relief. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think about being a kid, going to my grandparents, mm-hmm. and the way having the three generations just means like my parents just didn't have to be quite as on. Right. Because there's just more adults around who love yep. the kids who can watch, and like mm-hmm. it's a safe space. And There's four of us looking after these folks, making sure they don't kill themselves. Exactly. Dumb. Um, and I think about when I travel to... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like visit my my wife's family. Mm-hmm. I am now the parent, <laughs> and I feel that like ah, I yeah. can sleep in because Grandma is super pumped about getting up early with the kids and giving them snacks, so I don't have to. That's great, and it it really is like uh, you know, as routine as it might be to go to grandparents' house or make those visits, mm-hmm. um there's still that special difference and that ability. So like travel and, and relaxing. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an association that oh, I yeah. have. Um, and then thinking about sort of the same, like we, we did a few uh, years in a row where we would sort of pool with family and get a big beach house yeah. in Naxhead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would be like us and the cousins and aunts and uncles and my parents just kind of hanging out. Um, and it had a very similar, just like everyone sort of relaxing. Well, in my perspective as a kid, I don't know, maybe my parents, it was super stressful for various reasons. <laughs> they seemed fine. They seemed like they had a good time. Uh, I hope you did, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, for real. But yeah, just like everyone sort of relaxed because it's a change of pace and there's like more support somehow and less mm-hmm. cares about the world. So. No, that's good. And it's, uh, you know, so we have, we have kind of like a historical picture of, of travel. We have a personal picture of travel. Um, but I think there's also probably some more sort of categorical spaces that go through the idea of travel. And I think one of them is like, why the, why the heck would you travel? Like all things being equal, like why would you even do it? Because, um, yeah, especially like you get older, there are like more people in your household or maybe there's people you're traveling with or people are traveling to. Like there's a lot of moving pieces that can be gigantic headaches. Mm-hmm. So why the heck, like why would you travel? Like what would make you travel, Cody? Outside of like, you know, somebody giving you a big old fat check and saying like, here, do what you want. But like, yeah. <laughs> what but would I mean, it's fair to say that it's, if someone did that, I wouldn't. Not everyone would say traveling is the first thing they oh, do with yeah. that big fat check. It would it would be in the top three for me though. Yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> that that says something. Um, yeah. I think pr- at previous points in my life it wouldn't have been. Yeah. So I, I've not historically been the most adventurous person in the world. Oh yeah. If that's a big surprise to any of our listeners, <laughs> no, I hate to break it to you. Um, I definitely tended to be much more of like a homebody. Yeah. It's like I was not the kid itching to get my driver's license. Oh, yeah. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to chill. And I've got older siblings who have driver's licenses. And I can't really imagine something that I'd want to go do by myself. <laughs> uh, so I'm just not really. I'm just imagining you that. saying this at like 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> which by yeah. the way, I found a photo the other day from like 12 years ago. And I think it was of you. And I uh, looked twelve. <laughs> well, I was trying to think. I was like, I, I, twelve years ago, you were you were you were a little older than that. But yes. I was, yeah, twelve years ago would be sixteen. <laughs> so yeah, and I was just like, I think that's Cody. And the reason I thought is because there's a bunch of folks in the gallery, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's the youngest person in the gallery. That's yeah. Cody. Yeah, probably. It was great. That's anyway, probably. that's a that's nice funny. aside for you. But yeah, so like reasons I would travel now would be. Um, I don't know, kind of have like an adventure with my kids. Yeah, yeah, that's real. So shared adventure is real. I think that's something that that um, I can see the value of because I see some tendencies in my son mm. to be cautious the way I was. Gotcha. Um, and I think that caution maybe made me. I think it was good in some ways, protected me from some things. Maybe kept me back from some things that I yeah. could have stepped into more. Um, so to like go out and have a family adventure um, and kind of make memories. You know, my wife talks a lot about memories that she has traveling with her family. Um, yeah. And just how formative those are for her and how important they are um, to just think about the ways, you know, her bringing friends along, um, but then just, you know, they're, sort of four person family unit going and visiting lighthouses and going to yeah. the beach and stuff like that. Um, so I think that would be a big motivator. Um, I probably would, I'm more inclined to like go to one place 
So like pick a town mm-hmm. and be like, let's just hang out here. Yeah. And like not worry about doing a really far ranging trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, like that's, that sounds super tiring to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I agree with that. Where you like land in like seven cities and spend eight hours each in them, mm. like hit three major highlights so you can get the selfie and then keep going. Yeah. You've got the travel conversation going on between two introverts. So yeah, you're definitely not going to be the, <laughs> not the extrovert adventure yeah. of see Europe in 13 hours. No, definitely not. But yeah, so that, those are some reasons. Um, you know, I think we talk a lot about sort of like common humanity on the podcast. And mm-hmm. so I don't think I'm unique in the idea that like you go and you see people in other places and mm-hmm. you start to see, oh, amidst all this difference, like people are people. Right. So all yeah. the good things about people are still there and all the bad things about people are still there too. (laughs) Um, And depending on where you're traveling, that might be more or less exposed. But I think about just something as simple as like going to a new place to try the food. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I'm trying the new food because I already have categories for the existence of great food that's associated with where I am. Right. So I have to assume that there's great food associated with places where I am not. Mm -hmm. And if I go to that place where I currently am not, I could eat that food <laughs> yes. and maybe have a conversation with the person who made it and, mm-hmm. and, and it build out from there. Speaking of, you should come to Mississippi sometime and get some great food. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> it's really good. No, I think those are all really, uh, really valid points. Um, cause I think that a lot of folks, when you think about traveling, it's a communal kind of experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's people are coming together for it. Um, you know, whatever that is, it, it is, it is kind of, it is a specific sort of type of travel. I think that happens with just like an individual, Right, there, it may be, may, maybe it's a more purposeful, where the other travel might be more relational. Yes, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like the question of like why would you travel almost exists in the same space of like why would you meet new people? Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, it is such a varied world, with amazing cultures and societies and geographical changes and differences. Um, like, why wouldn't you want to know more of that? Mm-hmm. Um, like you'd have to give me a good reason. I heard somebody say one time something like, you know, well, once you've seen one mountain, you've seen them all. And it's like, I mean, but you apply that to like everything else in life. And we suddenly are in a very, very small room. Yeah. Plus that presumes that the one mountain isn't worth seeing multiple times. Exactly. And if the one mountain is worth seeing multiple times, that means that the other mountains are worth seeing if possible. at least. And once. it also assumes that, without seeing multiple mountains or things like that, that you even have the eyes to see them in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, which I think is a very, is another part I think of travel is, um, I can't, I can't choose what I haven't seen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen, we've, we've heard this a lot on the podcast. We've talked about it a lot. I, uh, you know, I can't choose what I don't know about. And the, the importance of, of influence in the life of a, of a human that is maturing into hopefully a better human. Um, like I think it's an important thing. Yeah. So it's, it's a good thing to talk about. Um, what do you and think? Add, I would just say adding on to what you were saying about like having an adventure with your kids. It's like, there are places I've been that I feel like are a part of me that I want to show to other people mm-hmm. because going there not only is like kind of a cathartic situation for me and like returning, but it also allows me to like kind of, give more of me to those people that mm-hmm. I care about. Cause it's like, Oh, you, because I mean, I come from a place that has like fewer than 3 million inhabitants in the whole state. Yeah. Everywhere is kind of rural. 
And so like place is important. Yeah. Like I can, I can take you to the cemetery where the first relatives that explored that state in the early 1800s, late 1700s are buried. Mm -hmm. Like we've been on that land for 300 years. Like that's, so it's part of me. Yeah. So you go to a place like that and it's like, oh, it's part of me. So yeah. going here is kind of sharing that part of me with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I think that travel with family and to family or to sites that are associated with your, your past or your upbringing is a, a very special category of yeah. like reason to travel. Because if me and a few friends go to Mexico mm -hmm. for a weekend, then, and none of us are from Mexico, presuming, right. you know, say let's, we're all from Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, maybe one Mississippian thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like we're not, I'm okay. not going to be like, let me tell you about how Mexico has such a deep, rich part of my heritage. And you'd <laughs> right. be like, Cody, you're, you're not from Mexico. <laughs> like, hey, you don't know anything, Cody. Yeah. You know as much if as anything, it's going to be, there's going to be a communal experiencing of something new right. for the first time. Mm -hmm. And some way that the traveling experience and the the experience of something new together brings out or emphasizes unique things about the people, not dissimilar to people interacting with art oh, together. Yeah, I'm glad you went there because I was going there. Yeah, um, yeah. So the connection that I'm, you know, thinking about is traveling. You know, if, if makers make things out of the stuff of the world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of world out there. Yeah, and a lot of configurations of the world for your eyes and for your ears and for your nose and your taste buds and your pads of your fingers, uh, just to see things, you know, to see what you haven't seen mm -hmm. and then lock that in and say, okay, this is now something that's there that either new things to make out of, um, new ideas to make into. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's just the experience of the goodness of the thing itself, regardless yeah. of maybe what your artistic intentions are for, harvesting that experience towards your practice. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, I like that you brought that up because something I sort of tongue-in-cheek said earlier is like travel is like the opposite of TV. So you sit on your couch and TV just passes in front of you. Whereas travel is like you're physically active as the world remains in place. So you're passing in front of the static thing. Which static makes travel so. TV hilarious. <laughs> makes it the most psychotic <laughs> form of TV. Uh, You're moving so that I don't have to. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. Does that make you doubly lazy? I don't if know. you watch travel TV? Or are you just like, this is my station in life right now. I mean, I'm going to get my catharsis lot, where I can. There's a lot of worse things you can watch than 100%. travel TV. Um, yeah, as a kid who grew up in like the four stations, you could go the rabbit ears. Like it was a good amount of Rick Steves Europe that oh, I watched yeah. on Saturdays. Oh yeah, love it. <laughs> and it was nice because it was you know, educational, but whatever. So, um, but I think that you know when we think of that, like what we have, um, a conversation that's been going around to our house lately, uh, and I've been exposing multiple friends to it through coffee meetings and things in the last two weeks, is the idea of like passive versus active, mm -hmm. like living, and so you can have the same experience and how that experience or how that activity happens can be passive or active, right? So if I'm sitting at my computer, just like falling into a YouTube hole, just letting these videos to play, like it's a very passive activity. Mm -hmm. It's just asking me to consume. That's it. Um, but I could be, you know, on a, on a website watching a lecture and then, you know, uh, writing a response to it on a 
blog or I could be, you know, taking like a Skillshare class and mm-hmm. learning a new skill. I could be having a Zoom call with a buddy in Sweden. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, I could be doing things that are active that look like the same activity. So it really is about like kind of the intention of it. And the the place where it the the delineation really becomes clear for me is a passive activity asks nothing of you. Mm-hmm. And an active activity requires a lot of you. Yes. Um so one requires you to move out and do other things. And I think travel does that, right? We get into our routines, we get into our kind of spaces, and it's like alarm goes off, hit the shower, grab some breakfast, drink the coffee, go to work, have your lunch, come home, fall asleep for 20 minutes on the couch, get up and have some dinner, hang out with some friends, hang out with family, have a drink, go to bed. Describing my life right now. Repeat, right? Like it's it's the majority of life. Yeah. Um, and it can become real passive because it can become very like you can become extremely placated mm-hmm. and just it just becomes a rote activity. Yeah, the habits don't require much of you. And so travel flips a switch somehow and says, "Hey, shakes us and says, get out of this a little bit." And it requires us to be active again because I can zone out on my commute home and be like, "Oh, I'm home. Oh crap! I mm-hmm. hope I stopped at all the red lights." Yeah. But you can't do that if you've never been in that place or if you're if you're not in it often, if you're visiting a couple times every few years. There's something about it that requires you to like wake up and kind of have a more fullness to your humanity, which I think is really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I experienced that a little bit. I don't know if I pushed as far as fullness to my humanity. Uh, well, I, I mean, did, comparatively. Comparatively. Yeah. Comparative fullness. I did a round trip this morning to North Carolina and back to pick up some bunk beds yeah. because we got some bunk beds for the I kids. thought you were looking more comparatively full yes, as a yes. human. Yes, um, <laughs> Full of uh, Sour Patch Kids and pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Dude, you're taking my kind of road trip, Cody. This is great. I thought about you a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a round trip that was about as many hours of driving as I got sleep last night. I'll let oh, you guys yeah. decide if it's better, if that's a larger number or a smaller number. Um, but it saved us a couple hundred bucks on shipping, so I'm not going to complain. Hey, that's great. But it was it was... I don't know if I've ever driven that long by myself before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like no one else in the car. Um, got up at 5, left by 5.30. Um, so I could pull into the place by like 9. Yeah. So besides the high-value nutritional um, supplements that you had along the way, what did you do? Uh, so I, I toggled between listening to listen to a book for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Listen to some music. I found yeah. the first two hours of driving. Yeah, getting up early mm-hmm. was the hardest push. Oh yeah, uh, to to stay focused. Um, so I had to kick over to music at a certain point. Uh, yeah, books aren't always helpful when you're tired. Yeah, depending on. And I started listening to uh, an interesting podcast that was recommended by a friend that was about uh, the really interesting kind of overlaps between Dostoevsky and Nietzsche's lives and writings yeah um that turned I mean, out hey, to be a five-hour podcast all i'm gonna say cody you gotta calm down all right give the energy level too high <laughs> yeah. <there>. yeah really yeah. <laughs> a little thriller right there um no it was a long podcast and i, I started it had it was, to be I, like, I, don't, I don't understand this guy sat down and recorded five hours of content like we talk a lot this guy didn't have a someone to talk to uh <laughs> that's just, yeah that's just talking. so i got about two hours through it mm-hmm. in chunks yeah um i don't know if i'll finish it is this to do those history podcast in his basement? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was recommended by John. Okay. Um, our friend who was quite the adventure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
but it was really interesting. So yeah, I, I kind of jumped back Man. between different things. Um, stopped real early on to get some breakfast, and then after I picked up the furniture, stopped at a Target just to use a clean bathroom. Yeah, um, that's fair. Pretty much, it was very very focused. But it was to your point. It was I couldn't tune out. No, I was ride, driving on roads that I'd never driven on before, mm. routes I hadn't taken. You know, uh, oh, yeah. driving a vehicle that's relatively new. We only just got it around Christmas mm-hmm. or minivan. Um, so all of that kind of came together, and it was an interesting experience. Um, I'm glad I did it. Obviously, because I got the things that I needed. So right. It wasn't just a joy ride for you know multiple hours. Um, but it's also nice because travel. I mean, you have these. I mean, depending on how philosophical we want to go with stuff, we talk about like liminal spaces or interstitial spots of life and mm-hmm. like what they mean and what they how they exist. But you know, one thing I found like in those spots <clears throat> is that had you been like doing your daily like activity and work and listen to that podcast, maybe while you're doing some work or some work around the house or something like that, I would just venture to say from my experiential anecdotal knowledge that you would have processed the content in a very different way. Absolutely. And that's and that has something to do with being engaged in that activity. There is a heightened whatever it is. And a lot of us, I think, are so uh, well, let's just say there's a there's a tendency we have as humans to be uh so docile in most of our life that we don't pick up on those changes mm-hmm. um because they can be minute in certain ways. But um you know, in the same way that on a highway you've never been on, you're gonna be a little bit more alert, or as you're approaching an exit where you're not quite sure where it is, you're gonna be more alert. I think we do that when we're out of those routines and travel helps with that. So it makes sense that like, like kind of monumental activities happen when you travel, Mm -hmm. that you have like learning experiences that go on or like epiphanies or you like grow up in certain ways, right? That the, the, the buddy road trip is like a movie trope. Or the vacation comedy. Exactly. Someone at some point inevitably has sort of a like epiphany about the the meaning of what's really valuable in life. And so it, these things make sense because I think they are based in the reality we've experienced. And if you start to look at like writings of um, artists or you uh, look at the biographies of, of artists or designers as they're having to like leave a country and go to another one or if they're traveling or if they're going to school somewhere, like the, the travel is a very kind of loaded period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because you're able to take note more clearly and precisely because you may not see it again. Mm-hmm. You know, if, oh my, I'm going to see the same buildings every day. I can look at it tomorrow. I can look at it on the way home. I don't have, there's nothing in that moment telling me I need to really see this, right? I don't need to go paint the, the door of that church I pass by 18 times so I can see what the lights on it different if it's in my neighborhood because I'm going to take it for granted. Mm-hmm. That's what I do as a human. But if I'm in this city, looking at this cathedral in a place that I maybe didn't come from or don't, don't live in on a regular basis. I may take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's something about that kind of heightened state that I think allows us to see absolutely in a real way. Yeah, because, I mean, our brains are immensely efficient at filtering out redundant information. So much. Um, so like you're, you know, driving your normal work commute. It yep. becomes like this blank. Just brown um, out. For, for the actions that you're doing to drive. Um, I think one of the things that I'm thinking of is there's sort of a tendency to, you have different, pe- people think about different places differently. So you could 
be the true homebody and just be like, mm. my place is better than all the other places. I have no desire to go out and see other places or, right. or experience new things. Mm-hmm. I am totally content, either content or like legitimately think that this right here is better. And then there's the a type of traveler that I've seen and read about a lot, which is my place is terrible. Mm. Out there is way better. Anywhere but here is way better. So let me just spend all my waking time. I'll work the the you know terrible job with the poor hours if I could just scrape up the pennies yeah. to go get my fix and get to the better place. Mm-hmm. And then there's traveling that I would maybe say is sort of the ideal version, which is my place is really good. Yeah. But I can get dulled out to it, like you were talking about. Right. If if my place is good, mm-hmm. that must mean other places. There are other places that are also good. I'm gonna yeah. say there's probably places that are tough places to be and it's hard hard to live there. Um so I don't want to just say everything's great. Um but certainly if like where I live is, is pretty okay. There's other places that other people live and they've decided it's pretty okay to live there. Right. And so it would be worth me going out because I can go and I can experience that and I can have those brain filters lifted off and experience some things fresh. But we also think as humans in extremely comparative mm. and associative ways. Yeah. So maybe when you come back from your vacation, you actually do stop and look at that church door that you drive by every day because you saw another church door and something about seeing that other church door made you think of the church door at home. Yeah. And now you're coming back to where you are and saying, okay, I'm getting reacquainted with my normal because I have a new comparison point or I have new experiences that are contextualizing how humans live their lives and and do their normal. Because everywhere... Everywhere you could go to is someone's normal. Even the most like luxury 100%. resort, all the people who work there, they're there every day. It's their normal. Yeah, they're, they're not too concerned about the crystal clear water out exactly. there underneath the bungalows on this beautiful bay in Fiji. It's just their day job. At some point in this world, you know, with the way humans are at least interacting with it, can eventually become mundane. Right. But having those touch points of change can help things stay enlivened. Maybe. No, I think that's good. I mean, you, you think of travel. If, if you think of travel not as like pharmaceutical or therapeutic or escapism or something like that, and you think of it as like, a, like travel is just uh, experiencing an integrative reality. Yeah. You know, that like, I, I'm, I don't know. It's like sampling from a buffet. Like you got all these options mm-hmm. and I don't, did I really visit the buffet if I didn't try more than one thing? Mm-hmm. You know, like why not? But it's not going to make the biggest deal out of it. It's not going to be this isn't necessarily going to now fix my life, mm-hmm. but also leaving my home is, is not going to be the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, which I think is a helpful, helpful way to think through it is like, it, it is kind of integrating things together. Cause I think about, um, my first year, no second year of doctoral work at VCU. Um, I got accepted into this, um, like artist colony commune thing one That's summer. Exciting. And it was great because it was on this little island off the coast of Maine. That sounds fantastic. You know, it was like during the end of June, beginning of July, which, you know, in Richmond can either be really beautiful or like hell on earth. Yes. Uh, It just depends. Yeah. So go up there and it's the sort of thing where it's like you need, you need like a sweater and a jacket at night. Yeah. 
nice. on the coast. And there's like, the, like the way that you go through like an apple orchard near Charlottesville and there's apples on the trees. Like mm-hmm. that's how lobsters were in the water. There's like, <laughs> just like being like, please eat us. And it was just, you know, it was, it was just a, it was a very different experience. And it took forever to get there because you had to take a, tra- I took a train and then the train only went so far. Then you had to go on the bus. And then the bus only went so far until it became like a city bus. And then you were stopping every like five minutes and just picking up a lady who was like going to the grocery store. Yeah. And you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm on a bus from Boston to Maine and we're like dropping you at the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah. Then you have to get out and walk and then you get on a ferry. Then you get picked up by a car and you're finally where you are. And it was so drastically different. But what it allowed in the little space was just to say like, hey, everything was slow. You didn't have TV. Like mm-hmm. it just wasn't a thing. Like there was no internet. Like I had to stand on a on a giant wall and hold my phone in the air and yell into it to like call my wife. Nice. Like, We're all fine. <laughs> it's good here. We and haven't it, been drawn into the ocean by the lobsters. <laughs> that's right. And it was just like, you know, great. So when I came back, then what it did is it, it opened up my days. I was like, oh, you're actually not as like hard pressed for time as you think. Like, do you remember the, there was days where you're like, man, this is a long day. And you're like, it's 2.15. Yeah. Oh my god! Like, how am I gonna fill these hours? Like <laughs> and so, kid again, it, it kind of it, it did it put things into uh, a contrast of relief to say like oh, maybe there's things you could throw away or integrate or do something different with, um, but it did provide a, a a larger picture into like a a, a better a better step toward fullness mm-hmm. in that, um, which I think is is super helpful. Um, now I think one category of travel we haven't talked about um, is like explicitly. Education, because I think we've tiptoed around it. Because you know, in this in the space that like growing and, and travel, learning is travel like in a like I did a semester abroad context, or I mean, just the general ways that travel can educate you. Yeah, I think it's more that. So less less the specific because it could include like you know I, I did a semester and in the whole idea that we would institutionalize travel abroad is because there's an assumption that the traveling educates you, right? It but there's also things where it's been like um, you know. Like my wife and I have made trips to like New York because mm-hmm. we want to go see a thing at this museum. Yes. Right. So it's, so that's kind of more of the educational space, like a little broader. Um, but also the fact that like travel does educate us in mm-hmm. some way. Like, why would I want, like, what, like, why did you go to Gettysburg? You, you didn't go because you were like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a metal detectorist and I'm just hoping to find some ball shot yeah, in the field. Yeah. You know, there's nice. people that do that, but I, I haven't heard stories that make me assume that was why you were going to Gettysburg. Yeah, we um, so we went to Gettysburg uh, as part of a trip to celebrate my oldest brother's graduation from high school. Nice. So what we did is we all, whole family, vanned up to my grandparents in the Shenandoah Valley area. Yeah. And then my grandmother and my aunt, I think her daughter joined us, two cousins, mm-hmm. me and my three siblings, my mom, of course, um, I think my dad was there. Um, you got a bus full at this point. Yeah, we. So I grew up. We had a, a twelve passenger Ford Econoline. That's the car that I that we drove around in. That's the my jet. whole childhood. Did you ever take a driver's test in it? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get my driver's test driver's license until I was twenty. Oh, okay, so I was, was going to say that van was long, long dead. It's one hell of a driver's test if you had no, to do it in um, a twelve passenger van. I think whether or not they took the test my two older brothers definitely partially learned how to drive in that vehicle man you can drive anything after you that imagine barreling down uh, country roads with no <laughs> dividing lines that are about a lane and a half wide but two ways yeah yeah a little terrifying <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, we just we just went up, kind of all all in that van, packed in like sardines to just just see it. Yeah, because um, that was something that you know, Civil War history generally was like an interest. So we we read a lot of it in school and just oh, went, yeah. well, let's actually go to a place where some of the stuff went down and see what's there. A lot of really um, tragic monuments, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of sad things. Oh it's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, we. My mom was a very, very, very big uh, proponent of uh, the public library during the summer. So we were like summer reading programs and yep. things, and we were always a part of it. Um, and it was great for me because everything was a competition. So I just could be like, I'm going to read more books than anybody else this summer. And I would because I enjoyed reading. But what my mother was really good at is she would come home with all like the VHS tapes. Nice. And like, did those so, count as books that you read? No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, just wanted to check and see, you know, so where the story was going. But this is what it this is where it was going. So uh the library, you know, like back in the day of like the VHS tapes, they'd have these uh series on tape. And so they would be these things where you're like, where do they find these? Because when I, so when I say my mom came home with the VHS tapes, I'm not saying it's not like a night of blockbuster back in the day where you had like two movies and you're like, these gotta be back by tomorrow at noon. Mm-hmm. It's a library, so you have them for a while. This is like a twelve-part series, like a, on on the rise of the Roman Empire. Yeah, like an old school History Channel series. Yeah, yes. so that was kind of the thing, and then it would be like you know, um, you know, eighteen parts on uh, uh, on Renaissance painting mm-hmm. and painters. Nice. And so it's that was that was my summer, and you know, again, like if I wasn't outside playing with my friends mm-hmm. because I lived in South Mississippi, so there was a period of time where like if you went outside, you would die <laughs> in the summer. Like literally, you had you had no go windows of time during yes. the day. Heard someone describe it the other day very perfectly, and he said, uh, "Being in the deep south in the summer is like wearing a sweater while walking through a warm vat of Vaseline. Mm. Like that's the way humidity just sits. Nice. So if it's if the air is wetter than your sweat, you never stop sweating because it can't evaporate, can't go anywhere, and it doesn't do its job. So if you're outside running around at like twelve thirty, like you're going to die. Yeah." You're just going to die. That explains joyriding with the top down a lot more. Hundred <laughs> percent explains a lot of the things we did. That was really stupid as a kid. But, um, <clears throat> the uh, so at some point in the day, you've got a good three, four, five hours where uh, if it's sun's bright and shining, like you're inside doing something, and you know, no cable, like no real video games to deal with or anything. Mm-hmm. Like that twelve part series on the rise of the Roman Empire is pretty, uh, yeah, pretty enticing. Chilling. But what it did is it showed me a lot of places that I hadn't been. Mm-hmm. And it showed me a lot of places that I couldn't like look around, but I could see a viewpoint on. And it got me interested in a lot of things. So it is probably one of those things that has some sort of tangential interest bearing uh, kind of strategy into the arts. Mm-hmm. Because you just get exposed to these things, yeah. the architecture, the the sculpture, the art, the whatever. Um, so there was like a, it was like a weird like, I don't know, like a weird kind of like bunk fake travel mm-hmm. that kind of happened with it. And so that is still kind of part and parcel of what I do. So any trip I go on, I kind of want to find a like a museum mm-hmm. or a gallery or a thing. So even my wife and I honeymooned in Boston. And what do we do? Well, we we hiked the whole freaking, you know, revolutionary freedom trail thing. Yeah. And we went to all these museums. We went to all these galleries um, libraries, like we just like we went to places that we could learn, like we could just absorb things from, mm-hmm. so that we didn't kind of go home like empty-headed or empty-handed. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. If you are going to say that a place is worth going to, mm. then one of you have to ask, well, why is it worth going to? Yeah. Um, that's a, sort of a personal question. But it's also a bigger question, like, well, why why did people live in this place? Why do people still live in this place? Like, yeah. what's the connection? So that that knowledge of a place's history, mm-hmm. um, I think, is huge. Because, like, yeah, I mean, maybe you're just going someplace to snowboard because it's just good slopes, and you don't yeah. really care why. Mm-hmm. You know, in your head, you're just like, well, people made a town here because the slopes are good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like, you know, 100%. you're not looking for anything more. I would posit maybe there's more to be had right. out of your travels than just that. But that's the reason why people do things. But I definitely understand like wanting to, you know, as beautiful as scenery can be, as mm-hmm. fun as certain um, experiences that are related to maybe the geography, the unique geography can be. Um, and I think a big part of travel is it's people at the end of the day. It's people yeah. and what people have done, what people mm-hmm. have made, what people have built. You know, every place worth going to is a place where people have stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that question, why did people stay here? Yeah. What is it about this place and the other people around the place that made it worth staying? And that's mm-hmm. the answer to that question is the history of the place yeah, um, and the culture that's been generated and uh, the foods and smells and sights and all those things. So that's, that's yeah. a category for travel that I, I think I've only really gotten in the last few years of like, oh, finally I can see it being worth going to a place to learn more about it and maybe see an important historical thing. Well, I think it's really important to mention because I think that's one of the harder things to see about travel now. Because I mean, I can like, just like when I was a kid, like I watched those VHS tapes and like, oh, cool, there's a bunch of stuff going on in Italy and Rome. Um, But I wasn't inundated with it. Mm -hmm. Like I can have my phone in my hand and I can see anything I want at any point in the day. There are there are channels and channels and channels on YouTube devoted to just like live stream cameras from outside buildings. So yeah. you're like town square in Bulgaria. Yeah. Or Milan. Here we go. You know, like I can, I can be there and the, the, the passive activity lulls me into thinking that that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Um, I haven't experienced it. I've just seen it. Well, so. it's we're, we're chipping ourselves out of the experience of being embodied humans in a place too. Like, right. Yeah. So I think about going to Gettysburg. Why was it important? There's a billion books written about what happened at Gettysburg during the Civil War, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and those books are good, helpful, yeah. give you knowledge. Um, and when you take that knowledge and then you go to the place, you're confronted with the experience of the place fully impacting your senses. Like yes. I'm on a battlefield Mm. and that heightens that heightened my imaginative perspective to consider the events that I had learned about Mm. because it was less abstract. It was like, oh, I'm staying in the place where several hundred years ago people fought and Mm. shot each other and died. Um, it's, It's a little less distant because the land is still here. And yep. maybe some of these trees are still here. Yeah, those things only culminate in that way in that place. Yeah, and it's it's that, I think, the nature of our embodiment as humans and how that's connected with our imagination mm. 
in the way that we understand things yeah. um, is a huge part of traveling and learning while you travel. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And what makes travel worth doing when we live in a world where you can get any information about any place that you would ever want to. Right. Or at least you think you can. Mm -hmm. And you can see most of the major sites that would be like a tourist draw mm -hmm. in a two-dimensional way. Yeah. Anytime you want to. It's the difference between like, why would you go to... Uh, why would you go to a gallery and view a painting in person that you can get on Google Art or whatever it's called and view a high-resolution image that even shows you the texture? Right. Why would you do it? Why I would you I go? I guess there'd have to be something else that happens. Because there's something else that happens when the physical body is in the physical space with the object or experiencing all the experiences bound up. And, and we see this in other ways. We don't necessarily think of travel. It's more of like short-term short living. But like, you know, you think of the idea of someone like traveling to learn under a person. Mm -hmm. Like historically, right? So you... Apprenticeships. You know, you look at it like... Um, college. Traveling college, to college. 100%. Why do you go to Notre Dame instead of the state school? Mm -hmm. So you got some... Or like back in the, you know, 1930s, uh, you got some kid who's who's uh, living in Germany and says, hey, you know, I really... I like this, this whole, idea, whole idea of like modern design, I'm going to travel from where I am in a place that probably had a much more robust sort of like centralized ecosystem for survival than we have now in our, our small towns. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to another city I don't know anything about, maybe I've never traveled to. It's probably far without, with beyond like my reach of really necessary travel. Yeah. And I'm going to go learn because there are people there that I have to be there to learn with. Yes. And there is something about that place where that learning is happening where I will learn different things because it is a big city and not this small town. Those conversations still go on, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, People apply to master's programs and doctorate programs because yep. specific individuals are mm -hmm. at those institutions and you can't get what those people offer and the experiences that they're willing to share. You can't get it in another place. No, and you can't, no matter how much we tried over the last three years, you also can't get it in some sort of virtual sense. No. I don't get to have that same sort of thing, right? I don't... If I'm not having the same experience of, you know, some some plaza in Italy because there's a live stream camera on it, then I'm also not going to have the same experience with with another human who's just on the other side of my laptop screen. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hang out after the meeting on Microsoft Teams and like have a personal chat with someone. No, it's and even if happen. you were, like there's something there that we all know but are, have a hard time to really put our finger on. There's something there that that actually impedes that. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't the same, if we're like part and parcel, if we're just like people of the dust, then how about all the other stuff that's made out of that dust as well? Then there's probably something about that that works with how we interact with the real world as we travel and see and do other things. Um, because we haven't even gotten into some like bigger questions of things like how come when people travel that when they're artists, they're constantly like sketching or painting or they come back and they paint or make or draw or whatever in order to kind of memorialize, memorialize the time or the place or the mm. thing. You know, we haven't talked about how like painting acted as a proxy for travel and stirred emotions during Western expansion in the United yeah, States. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many of those things that just where where like the more you get into it, the more you're like, oh, yeah. Why haven't we talked about travel more? Yeah, <laughs> because well, it is important. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with when the travel is occurring and what the primary technology of representation is mm -hmm. during the time that the travel is occurring in specific yeah. regions. So that's there's there's reasons why we're not painting places the same way, mm -hmm. because painting is not the primary mode of representation our culture uses. Yeah. It's photography and rapidly 
entering into just artificially generated images that are, yeah. are summations of you know data sets. Um, but yeah, Western expansionism, well, painting and uh, engraving and certain you know printing methods were the technology. Painting, the color technology. Mm-hmm. Black and white printing, mm-hmm. the rapid mass media technology. Yeah. So it makes sense we would have a flood of imagery in those mediums. Um, you dial back, oh, well, freezes and <laughs> tablets sculpted mm-hmm. out of clay are the primary medium. Yeah. Um, you know, there's literature in relation to traveling, which that's a whole other thing of mm. writing and traveling yeah, uh, that we probably don't have time to get into. No, there's so much. Um, it almost behooves this to be some length of a series of conversations mm. and maybe not just one. Cause I think we're at a place where we've, we've pretty much circled the campfire enough to make a, to make a, a pretty good dwelling place for a few evenings. Yeah. Um, so I think nice little vacation spot for the podcast. Yeah. We, we, we got a, we got a, we got a, a, a Airbnb of sorts to talk about for a bit. I like the idea that someone out there is renting an Airbnb and when you get there, it's literally just wagons circled around a campfire <laughs> and that's what you rented. Well, I, I think they have like a tab for that on Airbnb. And right you've got now. like a, you've got like a sleeping wagon and a dining wagon, but Dude, they're just I the it's 100% there. Unique stays. Yes. <laughs> nice. No, 100%. And it's just like, oh, it's a field in somebody else's yard. They don't know you're here, but there's a sleeping bag. And part of the fun is whether or not they catch you. Yes. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I think this is kind of a good place <laughs> to stop. We'll move into the uh, you know into some more with this topic um, in the next episode. But hey, we do appreciate y'all. We love you so much. You're a great audience. And we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.